This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Hello and welcome back to the galaxy's most enchanting mineral and gem show. And the most eye-catching gem on display for this year's contest is... Over there. (laughs) (laughs) It's so beautiful. Abysme, what is that? Does it come from your planet? No, we don't have gems on my planet. Everyone feel bad for me. My planet's lack of minerals. Oh, well, I guess uh, I guess we'll never figure out what that is. <laughs> oh, darn. Uh, to me, it looks like a rather large, rather impressive, and multifaceted chiseled. You're describing uh, the statue of David. Oh. Is that not a gem? Well, it, this gem doesn't have a penis in full view. Well, I mean, censorship is wrong, everybody, and I don't like Jem's penises being chopped off. I don't think that's cool, in my humble opinion. Well, I think this gemstone looks like Christmas morning. Noisy and disappointing? No, colorful. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be purposely vague. Christmas morning is pretty specific. (laughs) It looks like an afternoon skydiving. It looks like the inner molar of a sandyworm. Uh, Maybe that's what it is. It's petrified sandyworm tooth. Approximately 200 years old, I think. Um, I only, you have no idea. I only know that. You have, st- sandyworms have that. been around for billions of eons. Yes, but this one's only 200 years old. I don't know how it met its untimely early death, but it did. And I know that because I'm reading the plaque that says... It was from the last one that died. Over the last 200 years, no other sandy worm has been defeated but this one. Well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I'm just inventing a story here, but it's probably true. They have no natural predators except for the other ones. The other... We dare not speak of those predators. You mean your grandma? Well, yeah, she was pretty good hunting them too, but uh, I mean more natural predators. This is going all over the place. I don't even know where this is going anymore. Welcome back, everybody, to Raygun Readers episode. <clears throat> yep, that's the one. Episode that. And today we are starting a new series that has already been completed and is not nearly as long as the Rebirth Saga. But we're going to do this series just to let the Rebirth Saga, um, to let Binary Algorithm build a backlog back up so we don't have to do so many pauses. This is a semi-well-known story. I've seen a lot of narrators do this one, and I, um, I'm excited to It's time to, to jump it. on a bandwagon. Wow! Uh, it is called The Twin Paradox by uh, Aaron Shotwell. It used to be on, I believe, Reddit, but he has since published it. On Amazon, so you can get it on uh, the Kindle. You can also buy a hard uh, copy, a physical copy as well. He has stated that we, uh, narrators and other people, can use and read the story. So thank you very much for that, Mr. Shotwell. So long as we pay him real world money. Real world money? All I got is this gobs and gobs of galactic currency. 
All we have is like 15 views. Yeah. What does that equate to? <laughs> that equates to nothing. It equates to like a fraction of a cent? Uh, uh, yeah, it equates to micro pennies. That's about it. A fraction of a fraction of a cent? Pretty much. You, you, and we're not even monetized, so technically I don't even know how much we're not making. <laughs> the floor is our earning potential, and it's really low. I don't think we're ever going to have enough money to make repairs to our spaceship then. No. So uh, if everyone wants to go uh, whore us out for subs and likes and views, maybe we can get off of this ridge. Anyway. Is that all we needed? Oh, great. I thought we just needed a power converter. No. Well, I mean, how are we going to buy one? We shot that one. It's It's shot. Power converter shot. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Twin Paradox, Chapter 1, Echoes of Silence. We're going to read until I decide we're going to stop. I think there's 14 parts. Do you get to decide everything? Yes. Because I need to go work on the ship. Well, I will decide when it's time for you to work on the ship. Which is in half an hour or so. Someone miscalculated. When you you leave, don't outrank me. Someone miscalculated. When you leave your planet behind, leave your friends and family back on Earth, and brave the stars to find their answers for them, you place your trust in a lot of people. Some of those people are complete strangers. Some have faces you've never seen. But you still trust them based on their degrees and credentials. They spent five years calculating everything about this trip, making sure that the potential gain amounted to more than the sacrifice of 17 years of a few young men's lives. Yet somewhere along the line, someone botched it. Someone forgot to carry a digit or misplaced a decimal, or failed to account for an important variable or coefficient. In the end, I'm the one who paid the price. Cryo sleep is a bitch. Amen to that. When were you in cryo sleep? Uh, you always keeping me awake. Well, you never sleep. That that time when I told you to take the wheel, and then I was going to go to the bathroom, and then like two days passed. That was cryo sleep. I didn't take the wheel for that. Oh, were we just that flying through space? That would account for a few things that have gone wrong in this trip. <laughs> <laughs> cryo sleep is a bitch. The wake up call is uncomfortable to say the least. Three years seem to pass in an instant. In that frozen state, but your body knows all too well where the time went. I stepped out of that pod on weak legs and fell to my knees, my skin on fire from the drastic temperature change. My head spun and my body quaked with the unpleasant rhythm of dry heaves as my nerves suddenly came to attention. As I hunched over and retched on the ghost contents of my stomach, my mind slowly came to terms with reality. It took me a good 20 minutes to find my feet, to get to my feet, and another 15 or so in the hot steam bath before my eyes focused. Just as I stepped into my jumpsuit, I realized that I hadn't heard a single sound from below decks, and that wasn't good. The engineers of this ship stationed only my cryopod so close to the bridge, and for good reason. As the helmsman, I would be the one roused early in the event of an emergency. Needless to say, I assumed the worst. So what are our, our initial impressions in these first few paragraphs of the first chapter? Something's happening. He woke up to an emergency. Yeah. Um, writing seems competent. No glaring errors. I can easily follow what's going on. So that I feel like we're dealing with a professional, professional writer. Yeah. Even if it is just self-publishing, it's... Uh, Mr. Shotwell seems to know what he's doing. 
and my um, creepypasta I wrote that didn't doesn't sound that good. <laughs> you haven't written a creepypasta yet. Oh, maybe I have under a pseudonym. Oh no, are you uh, are you snuff bomb? I might be snuff bomb. It's okay, I know you're not snuff bomb because I've talked to snuff bomb before. Uh, yeah, so. I don't know. Not a lot. I mean, this is kind of a somewhat tropey setup. Uh, Cryosleep gone wrong. Not holding that against the author because there's only, you know, everything's been written before, of course. So there is going to be a lot of kind of pressure hanging on this story going somewhere we haven't seen before because this is a very typical setup for being lost in space or being um, alone in space. So just something to keep in mind. My state of alarm should have hastened me, but I still took it slow and steady. I was unstable and didn't want to wind up too ill to fulfill my duty. Half hobbling and feeling the ground shift beneath my feet, the walk down the corridor leading to the bridge seemed ten times longer than usual, and a hundred times quieter. The less I heard, the more I worried. As I stepped through the portal, I could see the pale green orb in the seeming middle distance through the command deck's master display. However long ago, we had arrived, which meant that I should not have been the only one awake. The rest of the crew should have crowded the halls by then, gearing up for a touchdown in the coming few days. Something was definitely wrong. So, I'm guessing he haven't actually arrived and he's just floating around somewhere. But doesn't, wait, the green orb means that they're there, though. Yeah, that means the computer thinks they're there. And he mentioned miscalculations in the beginning. What if everyone else is dead? Probably. That was my other thing. I think everyone's dead. I took a seat at the head console, and the chair was cold and stiff. With the crew asleep for the majority of the trip, all systems unnecessary to the ship's movement, life support, and the preservation of resources were shut down. Wasting power by leaving the heating system running made no sense. It perfectly matched the cold feeling in my stomach, as the ship's status blinked to life on my hollow monitor. Three power routing failures, eight life support system maintenance alerts, five near-miss debris impacts around the fusion core, and two weight adjustment cargo purges with who knows how many indispensable resources on board. It was a fucking disaster. Wait, wait, wait. So we have life support failed in some areas. Uh Uh-huh. Cargo was jettisoned? Yep. How did cargo get jettisoned? Either automatically or on accident, I guess. Okay. And three power routing failures. So, pretty bad. Okay. It was a fucking disaster, and I didn't know whether I should be distraught or furious or both. It was Earthside Command's job to remote monitor and operate the ship's vital processes. How could they let it get this bad? What if we were thrown off course and wound up as a smoldering crater on some uncharted planet? This wasn't right. And then I saw the date. How would we remote control a ship that supposedly is very, very, very far away. Like, there's going to be a delay in signal. Over time. Yeah, well, how far away are we talking here? Oh, we don't know. We don't know. Depends. If it's like... If they're in cryosleep, I'm guessing it's pretty Six far. months, I imagine, that you take... You take uh, uh, you do, like, deliveries. Uh, like, informational deliveries every every so often. Hmm. You don't do them all the time. But you're, you are, you're in constant contact with it. As, as much as you can be with delays. Right. Okay, interesting. What date is it? We don't know. He said, and then I saw the date. Yeah, well, that's uh, where chapter one ends. Gimme. So just take... Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Take most of part two. Bitch better tell me the date. 
It doesn't start with a date. <sighs> okay. They called it they called it the twin paradox. For a long time it was only a thought experiment in special relativity. Nothing more than equations and monitors on paper. The idea was that time moves slower, slower for bodies traveling near light speed, asserting that a set of twins would age differently if one was rocketed into distant space. As the numbers had it, the space twin would return a few years younger than his brother on Earth. So we can assume they're going near the speed of light? Mm, well, they're they're moving at relativistic speeds. That's all it means. Oh, okay. So some realistic fraction of the speed of light. So like 0.2c, 0.8c, something like that. It depends on how long they were like that. So we don't really know. Is C uh, is just a placeholder, placeholder for the speed of light, I'm mm-hmm. guessing? What? C? You said yeah. 0.2C? Okay. Yeah. Cool. C 2.998 times 10 to the 8 meter per, meters per second. <laughs> it turns out to be more than just an abstract, abstract concept, but someone miscalculated, and the time dilation far exceeded their expectations. Man, we would make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what are you serious about that or Well, I mean, we use these calculations we don't like calculate this anymore. We computers calculate this shit. Okay. Um in they use it in satellites. I know that much for sure because they move fast enough where relative re- relativity is a big deal. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know um You don't know about this alleged mistake. Whatever. No, no. For a big mission like that, that is like not the hardest calculation they could do for a big, huge spaceship. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Noted. (laughs) It turned out to be more than just an abstract concept, but someone miscalculated, and the time dilation far exceeded their expectations. We deployed for this far-flung rock in the beginning of the fall season, Stardate, 2256.08. Oh, good. Star dates. I have no idea what year that's supposed to be. Probably 2256? August? 22. Damn, okay. I'm guessing. I don't know what that really means. It was summer. It was a summer I dwelt on for countless days since the moment I stepped aboard the pan-galactic starship Odyssey. And even more since I thought out. That was the summer of my little boy's fourth birthday the last day i spent with him before pre-mission conditioning and launch three months later why would you leave a little boy behind why don't they pick someone who doesn't have a kid it's hard to explain to a four-year-old why daddy won't be around anymore they sent us to find a new home for humanity after learning a okay after learning of a seismic upheaval destined to take the surface of the earth now i we hear like every week about the big tsunami that's going to level the West Coast and the big storm that's going to destroy blah, 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 hey, blah, Hey, it blah. still might happen. Don't. I'm don't. not. No, I'm not saying it won't, but is anyone scrambling to, oh, shit, find Earth 2? Like, why now? Uh, Because it's probably bigger than that? I Save nuclear disaster or the sun becoming red giant. Uh, Like, I, I don't I don't see... I'm not saying it's a bad premise. It just feels kind of flimsy given the 
Well, if the disaster was big enough, I would see, I could see them thinking that way. Like if an asteroid were coming towards Earth, like the kind of disaster where Yellowstone blows up. Well, yeah, no, but an asteroid. And it's very obvious that people on Earth won't survive. An asteroid, I can see because it's like, hey, it's definitely coming. Here's the trajectory and the estimated time of arrival. The big tsunami's like, eh, at some point, it should have happened and it hasn't. So tomorrow, next year, no one knows. An asteroid's a bit more definite. Either way, I'm nitpicking. They sent us to find a new home for humanity after learning of a seismic upheaval destined to take the surface of the Earth in the coming century and a half. So they have 150 years to look for a new Earth. Still, a child's world is a small and simple is small and simple at that age. A child so young knows nothing of the of world heroism or the good of mankind. Yeah, they don't have. A he doesn't know how much shows. of a hero I am. <laughs> to him, I was already a hero. As far as he was concerned, I was abandoning him. We spent the day alone, just the two of us. He said he didn't want a party. That just said he wanted to be with Daddy. There were more tears than smiles that day. I promised him that he would be home, that I would be home for his twenty-first birthday, and that we'd have his first drink together. Oh, uh, that kid's having a lot more drinks before you get home, dude. If <laughs> you're leaving I him for most of his life. I told him to take pictures every day, and I wanted him to capture every memory I would miss. Through everything I told, though, through everything I told him, he just kept nodding his head with tears in his eyes, hearing my words, but likely not listening to them. Yeah, I can see. Nothing that. I could say would help. All I could do was make him promises that he wouldn't understand for years to come. Listen, Timmy, the world's going to end. I got to go out and get a pack of cigarettes. Well, the world's going to end. And then he's going to talk to him as a ghost through a black hole. So it'll all be okay. Why did you have to bring that up? Why did you have to bring that movie up? Uh, A profound sorrow overtook me the moment the galactic calendar read out. Read out. Expanded across my hollow monitor. I would not have the chance to share that drink with my with my son. In fact, I wouldn't even be home to see my grandson's graduation, or for my great grandson to bury me in the family plot. There would be no stories to tell to my great great grandchildren. Like an epitaph on an ancient gravestone, the cal- calendar readout grimly displayed: Stardate two four six eight. Dash O two, in three short years, which had moments which had moments ago felt so long, we had lost over two centuries. Wait, how? What do you mean? How time dilation? That's how much it does. Damn. Uh, it depends on how fast they go and how long they were going for. I don't know. See, that's like three years. <sighs> So three years they were they had. I mean, I, I don't want. Now that he mentioned a fusion core. So I'm guessing this is a very, very, very powerful engine that we haven't developed yet. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's just like a Deus Ex here. Maybe. I don't know. We can't really oh, tell. Oh, whatever engine they were using. Yeah, like that. that's well, how they're going so fast. It just has to be so something fast. that broke, uh, uh, outputs constant acceleration hmm. um, for a long enough time. And that's a whole other thing is they're probably not traveling at one speed. True. Uh. R- r- writer's point here should this exposition should have been 
at the beginning, or is it good that he placed it here after? This is the beginning. Well, but like well, the very chapter two is like a, a page. Well, like you know, should it have been a prologue? No, I think it's fine where you it is. You think it's fine here? Okay. I think it's fine where it is. I just want to. Other than making me wait to read the stupid date. <laughs> here you go. Mm. Chapter three. I only know how long I sat in that chair because of the time display constantly hovering in my peripheral vision. As the hours trudged past in the ever-present daylight of our orbit, what was there to do other than sit back and contemplate the hopeless facts? Did it really matter why the other crew weren't filling the rest of the seats around me? Did it really matter whether or not the landers ever left the docking bay? There was no mission anymore. By then, the surface of the Earth would have been more than half consumed by thunderstorms and boiling lakes of lava. Either humanity had found another home among the stars without us, or they had vanished into the fire and poisoned atmosphere with the rest of the planet. Earthside HQ no longer existed. Our superior officers would have died over a century ago. Jeez, and, he's cynical. And they, would have ha- and they would have given us up for dead long before then. We were floating in the cold vacuum of space alone, light years from home, and likely the last of our kind. I think he's alone. I think so too. Our kind, I thought. I may have been using that term prematurely. I panned over to the deck three cryo chamber status, and it was worse than I thought. Of the 600 crew aboard, damn, this is a big ship, 73% had flatline, 10% showed signs of brain hemorrhaging, and the rest showed vital readouts offline. It was nothing short of a miracle that I woke up at all, let alone healthy. Even so, I doubt I would have considered myself fortunate. It was a useless gesture, but I decided to check for survivors. Really, given the circumstances, any gesture short of acceptance and death would have been useless. Still, if I had to resign myself to my grim fate, I figured I'd might as well go out with some company. It may have been cruel to wake them and make them aware of the dilemma, but the thought of being the last man alive just left me with a sour feeling in my stomach. I couldn't give up the chance to speak to another human being at least once more in my life. So for anyone who has seen the movie Passengers with Chris Pratt, uh, this is very similar in uh, plot, but I like how this guy Have just decided... Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I saw it on the plane back from uh, space oh. land. I haven't been on Earth. Um, <laughs> from space land. I saw it because people were saying it looked cool, and I was kind of very apprehensive. It was okay. It was better than I thought. But that movie spent a lot more time on Chris Pratt's character going, mm, do I wake someone else up or not? And this guy's just like, fuck it, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, kind, of, kind of different circumstances, but I like, I like that we're not dwelling on that. I think that was a good choice by the author. I wound up relying on a flashlight a few yards into the deck three descent, and only the dimming emergency fluorescent tubes overhead lit those first few. At some point, the energy grid had failed in that sector and switched to the backup generators, depending on how long ago in the system had directed power, and if the lights were any reliable indication, it would have been no wonder that cryostorage malfunctioned. I can't imagine the pain through which they must have gone. The thought made me shudder. I turned the flashlight on each cryopod as I passed by, and a few looked like they had died peacefully, but only a few. Most were frozen faces of suffering. Some with tears turned to ice streaking down faces. Mm-hmm. Some of so their harnesses woke up. Yeah, this is pretty brutal. Some of their harnesses had released, leaving their corpses leaning their bruised foreheads against the glass shields, necks broken and twisted against their own body weight. Damn. 
I even tripped over one whose shield had released and depressurized before clearing his system of the blood insulation solution. His corpse lay rotting in a half-curled heap where he had tumbled forward, eyes open and mouth agape. There are no decom- So did they have some sort of accident? Or uh, I it's Did they get these people just wake up uh with no life support and just sort of die? I I think Is he walking out there with a suit right now? I don't know. Um, I think there was a malfunction in life support, as he said previously. So they woke up I think, without life support? Um, I think their life support malfunctioned and killed them. Okay. I think that's what happened. And we, he mentioned debris, uh, avoiding debris. Um, it's very possible debris did hit some places. I don't know. There are no decomposer organisms in space. Pre-launch sterilization makes sure of that. So bodies don't rot the way they do on Earth. Instead, he looked dried up and brittle mummified, as though the slightest well, nudge would cause him true. to collapse into dust. I mean, like, the bacteria in your stomach, there's natural bacteria in your body that will start eating you alive when you die. Yeah, I don't really buy that either. But uh, that's that doesn't matter. It is a cool image, though. Mm-hmm. Cool postulate, but nah, I don't think so. With my attention fixated on the tragedy before me, I almost didn't hear it. A faint call just a few yards down the walkway, barely above a whisper. My heart leapt, and I rushed to the sound as fast as my legs could carry me. Sadly, though, my hopes were dashed as I looked at his face, frostbitten beyond treatment. With chattering teeth and an airy and raspy whisper, he pleaded, cold so please please His name was James Einrich, a young cadet fresh from the Hirschman Aerospace Training Facility in Nuremberg, Germany, and this was his first mission out of Earth's orbit. He was ambitious for one so young, just so barely in his 20s, but it was the real go-getters who went far and moved up the chain of command. He was respectful, too, always addressing his elders as sir or ma'am, regardless of rank. We had spoken at length many times before and after launch, oh, before and after launch, and he was an eager and attentive listener. I liked him right from the start. Poor kid. He had no idea he was already dead. I could tell by the look in his eyes. Not long before I discovered him, likely sometime within the prior 24 hours, his pod had sprung a coolant leak. It had already partially iced over the pods to his left and right, and it was probably dangerous to even stand as close as I did. The blood neutralizer had frozen solid in the leak, leaving him full of the insulation fluid. Oh, God. If I had released the chamber seal, the shock of the temperature and pressure changes would have paralyzed him, and without going through the neutralization process, he wouldn't have lived more than a single, painful hour. The cardiovascular neural regulator system had been keeping his heart beating, but it wouldn't help much longer. In truth, it had only prolonged his suffering. I would have liked nothing more than to repair the neutralizer system, but I had no training or authorization, and I'd have likely ended up killing him in the process anyway. Besides, the tissue damage from the frostbite was too deep and too severe. All I could do for him was to put him out of his misery. He was such a good kid, and he had such a bright future. When I looked at his face, I saw my son, saw him as he might have looked on the day I should have returned, saw the sorrow on his face when he realized Daddy would never come home. It was all I could think about as I tearfully and hesitantly tapped in the, in the command to stop the neural regulator. It's okay, kid. Just sleep now. It'll be over soon. I told him, longingly placing my hand against the freezing glass. I spent his final moments with him as his heart slowed to a stop and he closed his eyes for the last time. I never looked away. It was then that the gravity of my situation hit me. I was truly alone. That is part three. 
Oh, okay. Depressing. One more. Depressing. Maybe it'll get better. Well, let's unpack this for a bit because we haven't said much. Uh, person died. Person died. Next yeah. Chapter. That was a lot of description and detail of the bleakness of the situation. And it was good and I like it, but I am worried that it, this is just going to be I'm alone and this sucks for more chapters. And I hope it's not. We'll see what happens. I mean, it could get interesting. It could. There's just not much to unpack here. It's kind of just like everything sucks. Everything's broken. Everyone's dead. This dude's dead. Well, he's dying. Now he's dead. (laughs) So I hope it doesn't continue too much longer and we do get some plot. So we'll do part four and I think we'll call it after that. And then at the end, they're going to say, and that's when I met the aliens. And then we're going to have to do chapter five. And then that's when we come into the story. Oh, my God. It's been five months and every day seemed longer than the last. Relying only on an automated lighting system to separate day from night can do that after after a while. I remember watching old films back on Earth about people stranded on desert islands who had survived on coconuts, who had to survive on (laughs) coconuts and crudely cooked indigenous fauna. Honestly, I can say that I now understood how they felt. Though, unlike them, my food supply was limited to the kitchen freezers, which somehow managed to survive the journey. Convenient. In fact, the heating system was still up and running, too. No hole breaches and pressurization was still holding. Water filtration was fine. It was enough to make me wonder if some god out there wanted me to live. What for? I can't even begin to imagine. Still, I've never liked the idea of suicide. We all live, lived, each day knowing that death is the end of the line. So what made my situation any different? Maybe I was wrong in assuming mankind's extinction. For all I knew, we really did find another home. We could have left Earth behind over a century ago. Maybe someone figured out the error and didn't give us up for dead. Maybe their descendants were searching for us. With my state of affairs, it was hard to be optimistic, but I, ha- but I had to hang on to something. In the meantime, I did my best to keep my mind occupied. occupied. <laughs> my days fell into routine. Wake up, exercise, shower, eat, sleep, and other health essentials. I also took care of a few things which could not no longer be ignored. I patched up some of, some of the... I patched up some of the minor damage and disarray, addressed some of the needed system maintenance that I could handle, and generally did whatever I could to keep my home and prison fit enough to let me live as long as possible. Silly question. If they were looking for a new home, why didn't they send embryos? And he's orbiting something. They arrived. Why not go outside? Yeah, why are we hearing nothing about the planet that they arrived at? Maybe they need to terraform it? Oh, and he did say that the landers can't go because he's only just... Well, he's a helmsman. He could fly them. Well, maybe it's not a solo man thing. I don't know. I don't either. Here you go. Eventually, I got around to disposing of the bodies in cryo storage. It was a miserable job, but I still took my time with it. Before I closed each crate and jettisoned it into the vacuum of space, I gave the contained crew member a proper moment of silence. I honored their memories and would not close the lids until I could remember each of their names. Not in a verbal sense, as their cryostorage pods displayed their names quite clearly. 
rather in a personal sense, a sense in which I could remember addressing them. Nobody should die without a name. I saved the kid for last, James. I closed my eyes and spoke his name aloud over and over, never satisfied with how briefly the sound hung on the air. When I finally opened my eyes, I found his head turned toward me, staring at me, unblinking. Yeah. Okay. The sight startled me at first, but he wasn't breathing. By some last gruesome spasm of the nerves that I would never medically understand, it was his final action. His eyes were a crystalline blue, and I regarded them for a while before gently closing them. That's a cool image. <laughs> that is a creepy, chilly, cool image. I like that. And just when things are like, okay, I'm going to deal with... Uh, this horrible grief and tragedy. And okay, kids looking at me. I told myself again that it had to be some final spark of the nervous system, but how could it have been? He had died months before, and I had watched his neural activity stop completely. Yet, just as I closed that lid, I swear that the low hanging light touched and shimmered in the dampness of a single tear spilling down his cheek. He's going crazy! Is he he's going get, crazy, or is it ghost ship? He's getting the space sickness. It's ghost ship. Aqua dementia. That was the first manifestation of my encroaching madness. I guess its progress can be delayed for a time, but it inevitably (laughs) finds you. In the coming months crawling by, it finally started to catch up with me. I kept up my normal routine at first, but more obsessive and neurotic behaviors slowly worked their way into the mix. I'd spend ni- nights awake, sometimes sometimes curled into a ball at the foot of my bed, sometimes in the corner. Sometimes I'd talk to myself, not with delusions of other people in the room, but long monologues just to fill the unbearable silence. Then, after a while, the monologues started to become conversations. Worst of all, I began to neglect my healthier habits in favor of spending hours seated before my Comlink software, listening to hollow static and praying to hear a human voice. I would cycle through frequencies in desperate search of some type of connection, any connection. I stopped eating, lost sleep, and often passed out at my console to the white noise lullaby of the open comm channel. After a while, I didn't care whether or not the voice on the other end could help me, or even if it wanted to. I didn't care if the voice was human. I just wanted to know that somewhere, anywhere, someone or something other than myself still lived. And I regretted it from the moment I heard that first ghostly whisper. Uh, Damn it! He's going See, I was crazy. right. They're be aliens. Uh, aliens are ghost children who are dead. Who knows? Ghost aliens. Ghost aliens. Yeah. We can't we can't talk about those. Like your grandma. <laughs> My grandma's not dead. Oh, um, you didn't get that letter? Have you been holding my mail again? <laughs> Granny! Yeah, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Ha oh. ha, Bismi's grandma's dead and he doesn't know. I've been writing letters to her. You know how much time I could have saved and not have to write letters to her? Is that the only thing you're worried about when your grandma dies? Eh, I mean, whatever. Oh, man. I, Granny anyone... probably went out fighting like she always did. <laughs> yeah, killing sandy so. worms. Killing? That's, maybe, that's, maybe that's how he gets his beautiful molar crystalline Christmas rock in front of us. I'll always remember her when I look at it. Anyway, the show's over. Show's over, everyone. Go home. <laughs> 
So, this is pretty good. But I want to know what the ghostly whisper was. I know, and we will figure out next time. And then, in true YouTube ADD fashion, we're not probably not going to come back to this story in a while. Well, a couple weeks. Yeah, and I hate you. I know, I know. Um, I I want to keep reading. That's that's all I have to say about this story <laughs> is that I want to keep reading it. It's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty damn engaging. I'm excited to see where it goes and uh, getting a very Dead Space vibe here. I'm getting um, a lot of different vibes. Uh, a bit of a, a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. A bit of a Stargate. A little bit of Lost in Space. <laughs> a little Lost in Space. Like, yeah, but it's definitely its own thing. It does feel like its own thing. That That is the thing I think I appreciate the most. Mm-hmm. And I was worried it wouldn't, but so far it has. So let's hope it keeps up. Uh, tune back in for us to continue this saga. And hey, I think we'll probably hey, finish this me. up in a few episodes. What? If you let if you let me have time to fix the ship, we can probably be off this rock soon. <sighs> no. You you need to fix the ship and cater to my whims. I know you're used to this kind of environment, but it's poisonous to me. Yeah, well, learn to develop special lungs. Like me. So encounter millions of years of evolution in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, do that. Hi, I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm Phil Vecchio. And we are the hosts of Radio Brendo Man on the Benview Network. We talk about all kinds of stuff on our podcast. Like what? Like toys and movies and video games and books and other stuff. Poo. Talk about poo? Definitely talk about poo. And you, if, you, if that sounds cool to you and we talk about it every week... Go to RadioBrendo.com or go to our page on BenVNetwork.com. And yeah, thanks a lot.